Hello and welcome to Chilenial Horrors Podcast, the podcast where we talk about horror films of the noughties and all the amazing different subgenres, trends, fads, torture porn, ghosts, J-horror remakes, zombies, horror comedies, all the many and incredibly varied and incredibly varied quality horror movies of the 2000s. We're very excited on this episode because we're going to be talking about a horror franchise that I'm pretty sure everyone loves. It seems, of the horror franchises, especially of recent ones, this has to be the most consistent with, I think we'd all agree here, one glaring exception. And we're joined on today's episode by writer and presenter Louise Blaine, who is also a massive fan of the Fun Destination franchise. Hello. Lovely to be here. We're so excited to have you. I, I, honestly, you guys, you made me watch five Final Destination films in less than 48 hours, and I am here <laughs> for it. <laughs> I felt like they were making, you know those Easter eggs that they drop in? I feel like they were making them just for me, because no one else has watched them in such a short space of time. It felt so, <laughs> it felt like gifts. I did it in a week, and that was that seemed that was definitely the closest I'd ever done. Also, I hadn't seen four ever before. This was an entirely new experience for oh, me. Oh, no. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did it in a week, but I did it in the wrong order. Um, I don't really know why I did that. <laughs> what did you start with, if not one? I started with four. <laughs> well, at least it would all go up from there. I mean, that's... Exactly. It was the one that I thought um, I was sort of least familiar with, so I kind of felt like... Yeah, because obviously when you rewatch them, you don't want to rewatch four. Um, so I thought I'd, uh, I'd get that one out of the way. I got up and did two separate household tasks while watching four. I paused it, obviously. I'm not <laughs> like, I, I took it very seriously, but I did. Suddenly I really yeah. want to do the washing up. <laughs> it was the washing up and laundry. I did two, th- two different things. Wow. That is an indicator of a terrible film if it reminds you to do chores. That's the worst <laughs> thing. Oh, there's some dust in that shot. I have dust in my house. I should dust. <laughs> generally assuming that if you're listening to this podcast you have some awareness of what the Final Destination franchise is but just to break it down for anyone who hasn't seen his movies before uh, the Final Destination franchise is built around the idea that death has a design and you can fiddle with it if you are lucky enough to have some kind of premonition of your own violent horrible death but if you do that death's going to come back for you in even more creative and horrible ways the first movie which came out in 2000 and was written by Jeffrey Reddick and directed by James Wong, begins with a high school trip to France from the US where uh, a group of yeah, a group of high school students board a plane bound for, bound for Paris and one of the students, Alex, played by Devon Sauer, has a vision of the plane going down immediately after takeoff and it's really frightening and horrible and I think it does what every Fun Destination movie should do, with the possible exception of four, which is make you terrified of something that you do every day by just showing you how violently horrible it can go wrong. So he gets, yeah, he gets off with a, a group of uh, other students and one teacher, but shortly after they yeah, disembark and realise that they have escaped death very narrowly, death starts coming back for them and picking them off in what seems like accidental events, but are obviously pushed by death's hand. I remember seeing this on video, I think. This was, I think, a blockbuster rental, and one that I'd heard about, and everyone telling me it was very scary, and I loved it. It really got me. It was fantastic. I mean, on yeah. first watch, you were immediately like, I'm in. I think because was, it was a horror film that I was probably a bit too young to watch. I would have been 13 when it came out, and I think it's a 15. So I had the immediate excitement of, yeah, I'm watching the horror film that I shouldn't be allowed to be watching. Um, but it was also, weirdly, I think I mostly remembered it for the plane crash. Mm. Final Destination 2 has always stuck with me war, but um, yeah. 
so I think I can't really remember the first time I watched it I know that I didn't really come on board with this franchise until three um I watched one and two I think in quite quick succession on yeah VHS maybe early DVD but yeah I, I watched the first the first two on some form of home release and I was not into them I really struggled with the logic of it ah. I've grown to love the franchise more <laughs> over time but yeah I think on first impression I was like not super into it but obviously like rewatching it now it's so strange how many references I just didn't pick up on like even again like even watching it this week I noticed things that I'd not noticed before um even more little little nods to things how about you Louise what was your first Final Destination experience do you know I think I, I feel like I saw it in the cinema and rewatching it now I think I, I loved it the first time I saw it because I think by that point I was already like anything really gory and really nasty I absolutely love and especially during that like I mean we were just after Scream weren't we so we were just after Scream and Scream 2 and I know what you did last summer and it felt like quite a natural oh it's getting nasty everyone's very pretty and everyone's going to die and I think I was super already into that and I think the idea of it I mean, I heard quite recently that it was originally meant to be an X-Files episode, hmm. which I love that idea because I would have happily watched that then as an X-Files episode. And I think, you know, watching it now, I literally watched that horrible, horrible, and it is horrible, plane crash. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is worse every time I see it. It, yeah. it is literally worse. And I remember actually sitting on a plane and I can't remember, it must have been a few years ago now. And the little thing that hold my held my tray up broke. <laughs> No, <laughs> and I was literally oh, like, "Oh God, this is it. This is me done." And I just put it back <laughs> in, and I was like, "You can just stay there. You can just stay there because you've. I don't know how many people you terrify on a daily basis with that little broken <laughs> bit." But um, I still think very fondly of it, and I love the fact that every single one since Bar Four has taken that concept and actually done something a little bit different with it like mm. they've gone oh what happens if you kill someone or what would happen if you you know dodged it this way or took your own life or all of these things and i like that they've kind of tried to tried to modernize it a little bit so i like that it's grown and hasn't just stayed quite the same mm. yeah totally i think in the first one so there is a there is an attempt at um sort of killing yourself out of sequence isn't there with um carter Kersmith's character like tries to drive onto a train track and then he thinks he's or and then he changes his mind and then can't get off the train track yeah. mm. but other than that it's it's yeah it almost feels more serious than the later ones in a way i guess because yeah. i didn't know that it was going to spin out into this massive thing so and also i suppose it's based i don't know i i'm trying to imagine how it would have been an x-files episode i guess very differently unless maybe those two fbi agents that show up <laughs> are meant to be Mulder and scully <laughs> they are pretty weird those two fbi agents <laughs> They are weird. That's the thing I noticed this time is that their names are something like um, Agent Bean and Agent Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Got that Agent Shrek, yeah. Well, all the characters are named after horror directors, aren't they? Because I was going through the IMDb trivia stuff going, what is this? What did I not spot? And it was all these references to like great horror. I can't even remember what, what was. McKinley was something, wasn't it? Am I trying to remember what McKinley was? But McKinley was the... What did they have in the most recent one that was McKinley, which was also... Oh, the racetrack, which was also the name of the school. Hmm. Was yeah. It? It was the, and he's one of the characters in three as well, isn't he, McKinley? Yes. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's um, the teacher in the first one's Val Luton. Um, I love that. I, I mean, yeah, I literally did not get that reference until <laughs> probably 
um i don't know definitely within the last decade but i was so delighted when i like went back and watched it and it was like not only has <laughs> she got the surname luton but they've literally called her valerie luton it's amazing <laughs> And yeah, there is that kind of logic to the like. Um, you talked about the, the logic earlier and the rules. I think yeah, the idea that there's um, you you die or that that's coming for you in the order which you should have died. So they kind of have to figure out um, where people were sitting and kind of what point they get either exploded or pulled out of the plane or shredded somehow. It's definitely less elaborate. You kind of I think every film after that has more. You kind of see exactly how each person dies. I think they up the stakes. Yeah. Maybe like in the in the in the sort of. Uh, improbability of their mm. deaths but even this one has that I mean Val Luton's death is very convoluted yeah. lots of different kind of little things going wrong to lead to what happens yeah, to it's her it's a death mousetrap yeah. <laughs> but what's, what's the thing Like in, um, when I watched it the most recent time um, I noticed that there's a giant sword on her door Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. well that's how she dies and I didn't <laughs> obviously I didn't see that first time around or probably up to fifth I was like, oh, there's quite a lot more foreshadowing than I thought. There's a lot of complex stuff, like shadows and faces and all mm. kinds of stuff that really, I don't, I think they, they did a lot of foreshadowing in the later ones, but I didn't realise it was in there from the start, which was really cool. Yeah. I was really struck by um, the first death being, so it's uh, the first one he gets it after the plane crash is the main character's best friend, Todd, in his bathroom. And it's really horrible. And I think like it's one of the things that really impressed me is it is kind of shot like a slasher or like a stalker horror where like you follow him around the bathroom and it's like a, it just feels quite unusual that you can be spending that much, that much time with like a male character in like a vulnerable place but um yeah the kind of like the water and on the bathroom floor like changing directions and stuff like that to go after him and then that when that um the string in the shower just kind of flips around his neck it goes on for ages it's really nasty it is really protected actually it's really long mm. and really miserable and I, but i do like like the water moving around the floor feels and this is where i think if we were talking about it later four fails is that it feels like it could happen like it feels like mm. these are all accidental things that if they happened this would be the direction that they would take and it just so mm. happens that that's going to be the horrible direction meanwhile in four they're just like we're just going to open up the sunroof or we're just going to do this we're going to do that yeah. but actually final destination still feels like a horrible miserable murdery comedy of errors where it's just all mm. domino effect and it's lovely yeah and you mentioned earlier um about Scream and I know what you did last summer and all that and that those kind of postmodern slashes I guess that this is like the logical extension where there's not actually um, like a murderer hmm. the, 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 the threat is just death itself yeah and it does take it pretty seriously doesn't it I think the, f the first one especially is pretty like there's really funny like just or like a lot of the comedy kind of comes out of the shock of it like the famous um, why don't you just drop dead before she gets hit by the bus? The bus. Yeah, that's just incredible. But yeah, there's, just, there's a lot of just conversations about death and fate and stuff, especially with Clear Rivers making her sculptures in the garage. <laughs> but, uh, I always forget about the weird sculpture every time. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this one's you. He's <laughs> like, thanks. Cheers. But, um, uh, like having said that all the characters have uh, names that are references, why is she called Clear Rivers? Like that's not a reference to anything, is it? I mean, it must be. It must be because it's such a weird name, but I don't know what it's supposed to mean. I thought it was Claire for a long time. It's not yeah, I think Claire everyone Rivers. does because you just, <laughs> it's just in your head, like it sort of fix the 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 bizarreness of her name. I do like how sort of how much philosophy they put in and how much they're constantly mm. like even before anything happens, kind of talking about. Um, what's the thing they say when they get on the plane and they're sort of looking around and there's like babies and nuns and they kind of think oh we're safe then because 
Um, there's a light. Oh, it take a really, like, really messed up god. To yeah, take it take, this a, plane it take down. a fucked yeah. up god to take this plane down or something. And it's <laughs> it's so overblown in that, like, I think for most people when they get on a plane, like, there is that little frisson of like something could go wrong and like I'm out mm. of control of this. Like, once you're sitting down in the plane, there's nothing you can do about anything. But like, you probably don't say it as explicitly as that. Yeah. When they do that thing where they, they look, they show you, like, the flight attendant's reactions, which is something that I always do with turbulence, <laughs> just to see, like, how are they doing? Are they yeah. okay? How are you feeling? Do you look worried? Yeah, yeah. and they do, like, the, the flight attendants do that kind of, like, oh, it's fine, look. And then they look really worried. It's like, oh, yeah. It's, oh, God, it's horrible. That that whole sequence is so beautifully done. But um, really upsetting. I think I really like the fact that they set these rules in motion. Like, they really set rules. Like, it's almost like while they obviously directed it not knowing the, the tone that it was going to go and wrote it that way but I think they put in such set rules about if I intervene with you and you do this and I do this then this is how it happens and I like the fact that it's got such a set universe and although, and I think that's what's so appealing about the entire franchise is these films need to introduce you to a set of people that you know is going to die but you still have to care mm. and that, I think that's why 4 fails because it doesn't manage to make you care but everywhere else especially in the first film you're really in there because at that point you don't know who's gonna you don't think why would a film kill off its entire cast (laughs) surely someone has to live but no the whole point is that everyone has to die Hmm. and i think setting for a for a setup i kind of understand why maybe it wouldn't have been as good as one x-files episode but as a tv show i would watch the hell out of this as a tv show like because this investment and this balance of smart script because it is a bit mm. over the top in that nineties lovely way, but setting up such a such a universe of rules that Tony Todd himself is like, "See you soon." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's the yeah, most sinister yeah. thing, but and in in that amazing voice that he has as well. That, that yeah. Oh, uh. <laughs> and he did the voice of the roller coaster in three. He did, mm. and it's oh, yes, <laughs> it's a wonderful. Yeah. Of things. I do remember him getting kind of increasingly like theatrical throughout it, but he's he's kind of not too over the top. I, I would love Tony Todd going over the top, but in this one he's still pretty grounded. He's just yeah, yeah, the mortuary or uh, as a funeral home director or like mortician. Yeah, yeah, it just kind yeah. of explains about death design and stuff like that. He does a lot more explaining than I remembered. Yeah, it's called Bloodworth as well, which is a great name. He is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot more. It feels like there's a lot of investigation kind of in this one that I didn't really remember as well, of them like kind of doing their little de- bit of detective work to try and figure out what's mm. going on and, and and I guess to establish those rules because once you've got into a franchise like you just accept, yeah, this is what's going to happen but at this point, yeah, they're kind of setting that all up. It also does a really good job of... Um when you like the idea of that by the rest of it they're like you'll see signs and you'll see signs and it will feel weird but it does a really good job of going this is a creepy moment without feeling too over the top like you've got lots of fans he has an entire room of fans like does he need that many fans in his room like why is this necessary surely if you've just survived a plane crash you don't need spinning blades everywhere you just don't but like it's (laughs) i think uh having those little moments and having that constant ominous tone Mm. And feeling and seeing pictures and things and newspapers everywhere like it does feel like it could have gone in that noir serious way and we'd still be enjoying it as much i think the one yeah the one that i do think is a bit over the top is when um i'd, I'd forgotten about it completely but when just before todd dies that his magazine like flies into the fan and shreds and just like a bit a 
paper that just says Todd on it lands on his lap. And he's like, Todd! Ah, uh, yes, subtext. We love, we love subtext. Subtext is wonderful. What's um, another thing, I think, before we move on to Final Destination 2, a thing that was striking about this film, watching it again, is that, like, some of the actors are recognisable people. Mm. Um, like, Devon Sauer and, and Ali Lata are like, oh, yeah, you're you're an actor, you're a real person. And and Kerr Smith and probably some of the others who, in 2000... Well, Sean William Scott. I love Sean William Scott. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, um... And I, I feel like that has become less as the franchise goes on. Mm. Just a little. Just, the, <laughs> just a bit where you're actually like, oh, you look like someone, but you're not them. Like, there's definite yeah. cheap Cameron Diaz in one of them. I can't remember. I wrote that in one of the notes, which I've now left in the other room. But, <laughs> but they definitely had actual actors and then rid themselves of Ali yeah. Larter in the next one we're going to talk about. Which was mm. just sad. Yeah. I think my final, final note on this was um, as much as so much of it kind of doesn't feel like it's dated that much, um, I guess apart from the fact that this is pre 9 11, so the airport security feels significantly less secure than it does now, um, is that Devon Sauer's hair is this very, very, very like 90s. Mm. He just has so much gel. <laughs> also, the um, Carter, the jock asshole is extremely 90s horror movie like there's oh, no absolutely. reason for he's just kind of outrageously dickish and that's uh, always like strikes me as annoying at the end when he's kind of with them and just sort of like no you're an asshole the whole movie like why would we be friends with you i don't care how bonded we are through this experience but then he yeah. does go out in a pretty dramatic way at the end yes he does we'll talk about this again i guess but it's part of the sort of final destination formula is that there's always got to be someone in the group that's just yeah, really that's hateable true. totally <laughs> objectionable to the point where you're i think that's the thing as well of that it learns later on that when someone gets squished or crunched or mashed there's always like this yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really matter who they are so if they are the dickhead machismo you're kind of like oh yes yes i'm going to enjoy that even more yeah, which brings us to Final Destination 2, which came out in 2003. Uh, and it did not bring back Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who I think were off making the one at this point. But it's directed by David R. Ellis. And this time follows um, a young woman called Kimberly, who has a vision of an incredibly long, protracted, gruesomely explosive things flying everywhere and everything exploding and <laughs> people getting crushed mangled and yeah, everything uh, it's a highway highway pile up um, which is kicked off by a log falling off a lorry which I think has made everyone who's ever been on the road whether you're driving or a passenger look at the truck with the logs on and think no absolutely not no. you've got to overtake that yeah. fast that's the rule you cannot stay behind no, no, that no. for any length of time like I will probably drive dangerously <laughs> to get past the lorry with the logs on it <laughs> because I'd, I hadn't seen Final Destination 2 in years and watching that start I was like oh yeah this is why I was afraid this is why I've been afraid for so long because this is genuinely genuinely horrible but controversially as I went through the movies I actually think it's a bit too explodey I think it's a bit too fiery mm, interesting I think we don't see enough smush it's just it, it's a bit I don't know anytime I think I'm going to see something other than it gets better later on, obviously, but there's a lot of fire. Yeah. A lot of fire. 
there's the, the, I mean, the log, the log of which we speak, does fly through the cop's windshield and smush his head out the back of it. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, that's true. And also, I had completely forgotten. This was how long I hadn't seen it. I'd completely forgotten that her friends got wiped out. Yeah, well. yes. yeah, yeah. Just yes. when you thought they weren't going to, and that was a great. That shock. is fantastic. I'd, I'd completely forgotten that. Every time, yeah, because I, I hadn't seen it for a while as well. So when I um, was watching it this time, and I was like, oh, I, I don't remember these friends. Like, what happens to them? And one of them's got a really annoying face as well. Yeah, um, the guy that has simultaneously has curtains and a mullet. Yes. yes. <laughs> maybe it's just the haircut. Maybe <laughs> it's just the most annoying combination of haircut you could have. Um, yeah, but I was like, I don't, I don't remember that guy. Uh, and then, yeah, you realise why you don't remember them. They're evaporated. <laughs> Yeah, you really are. Yeah, it's not a group of friends going through this experience. It's a group of strangers this time. So you, yeah, you kind of you think like, oh right, so they're going to be going through this all, like this this group of four kind of pretty annoying friends of uncertain age. I think they're just off to spring break or something similar. I don't know. But yeah, it's just a big group of randoms. Um, and I don't. Yeah, two is my favourite, and I think a lot of it has to do with like I think the characters are kind of more interesting. I like Rory the Stoner a lot. I think he's really great. Yeah, Keegan Connor Tracy is a very sort of wired professional, um, and there's yeah, there's, there's the single mum and her son as well. There's just so much going on in that group. They're a big fan. There's so many characters. Yeah, like I, I forgot about the um, uh, see again, I can't even remember what his name is, but the, he goes the the motorcyclist. Because in my head, uh, is it Evan who's the lottery yes. winner? He was on the motorbike. So then when the pileup mm. scene happened, I was like, oh, he's actually in a car. Like, so who's this other? Yeah, there's, it feels like there's a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of like bodies and squishing. And it does a really good job of introducing you to them all as well. Because while you're like, yes, I am being told the people that I'm going to follow for the rest of the movie. But you don't feel bad about it. You feel like, hey, this is interesting. This is who you're setting up. You've got the completely neurotic woman that's smoking and doing like... Mm. I, I actually really enjoyed all those introductions because I do remember looking at the, those friends and going, these are going to be really irritating and was very glad when they were when they were quickly wiped out. And I think you, what you're saying about the different kind of characters, you do get these extra sets of reactions from different people going, well, I don't, not this, I don't believe this. It's like suddenly people go, no, no, I make my own, I make my own luck and I make my own life. And the kind of desperation around that I always really enjoy in these movies. Yeah, it's nice having that range of, of ages and backgrounds and things. So you're not, it's not just a bunch of kids because like it could so easily yeah. have just been another load of high school kids, but it's nice that it isn't. Yeah, I think, and yeah, just that first, is Evan, um, how, yeah, he doesn't obviously doesn't even get the chance to learn about um, yeah there being a pattern no. to desk design because he just gets it straight away and that whole sequence is just absolutely fantastic. And he just bought, Andy just bought a new Mac. All that Apple product placement was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad. He's 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 a Alanis Morissette lyric come to life by slipping on some spaghetti. <laughs> it's the, the hand down the garbage disposal because he's got he drops his diamond ring down it. And then, because he's cooking, it seems to be cooking noodles in a fry, dry noodles in a frying pan, so that sets off a in fire. In a frying pan that he doesn't even wash. Yes. That's yeah. what's vile, because that frying pan was just oh, yeah. sitting on the table. That's the kind of thing that normal humans don't do, but Sims do. You know, Sims get a bit distracted <laughs> when they're cooking, and they just leave pans on tables. And when he came in, he was like, oh, there's a pan on, you know, full of spaghetti that I haven't eaten on my table. So I'm just <laughs> going to throw that spaghetti out and not wash it. And cook. So actually, he deserved it for his lack of deserved hygiene it, standards. Yeah. To be quite honest, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, he had it coming. He would have None got botulism for drugs and premarital sex. 
it should be punishment for not washing his pan, not even rinsing it. Yeah, that's how you end up with a fire escape through your eye. <laughs> yeah. there, there is a lot of eye trauma in these movies, I feel. There yes. Is. There's also a dental sequence a bit later on in one of the other movies. I oh, hate dental yeah. stuff, and that was particularly tense, shall we say. Yeah. That's, that's this one, isn't it? It's the son yeah. of the single mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the... Uh, the fish that almost feels like foreshadowing for four. I couldn't Ooh. tell. I mean, that can't have been deliberate, but there's a bit where um, right before right before the, the dentist scene happens, part of why that happens is because there's a fish like stuck, stuck in the, the, filter, the filter in yeah. the fish tank. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because my brain was going, is it foreshadowing? And I was like, no, <laughs> there's two movies time. There's literally no way. But I, I got so sucked into looking for signs everywhere. There's the whole orchestration of that sequence because, um, yeah, I think what, well, yeah, the foreshadowing which uh, helps her to figure out who's next and how it's going to happen is that um, she's spooked by a vision of pigeons and yes. she's like, oh, it's going to, it's going to be pigeons, and obviously trying to tell someone on the phone that like, pigeons are going to kill you is obviously not um, something that's going to go over particularly well. But yeah, they're just smacking against the wall of the dental surgery while he's supposed to be having a filling or something. I found that really distressing. Yeah, it's so really tense. Really distressing. Yeah. Is this someone like, and he's trying to give him the injection of Novocaine, and the pigeons keep smacking against the window, oh, and eventually it's gives horrible. him. The, yeah, it's, yeah, it puts me on edge. And then obviously that this is all a fake out, and the real danger is the pigeons um, <laughs> interfering with uh, some construction work. That's the only good fake out. That's the that's a good fake out. There's a couple of really good fake out, but then there's a the terrible one in four, which we'll go on to. Like this was a good one, and I think you you somehow enjoy these more because these are actually really artful. And you're really tense and you don't know why, but there's pigeons smashing the window and someone's at the dentist when actually it was just a normal dentist procedure and we don't like those anyway. So these films are really clever yeah. at making us tense at things that the normal things that we do and people looking for like looking for signs everywhere. And I think when I found that I'd watched them for so long, I went into my kitchen and I was just like, I don't want to touch anything. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to boil my kettle, I don't want to spill anything, like making sure that everything's dry around underneath each cup. Like mm-hmm. That's where Final Destination gets you. Not in the big stuff, but in the tiny stuff. Mm, definitely. Totally. That's that's what I was going to say. I kind of was... Um, I kept putting it off, putting off starting this week because I, I feel like I'm quite anxious anyway because of the whole, you know... Yeah, global pandemic. Global pandemic. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was like, do I want to watch these films that I know are going to freak me out about little things even more? So... Yeah, um, I didn't know what headspace they were going to put me in, but luckily they, uh, I decided to just find them quite fun this time. But I, I do think sometimes like the idea that, yeah, there's just this great design, there's nothing you can do, and something really small that you don't even notice is going to yeah. get you is, is really, 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 really scary in a very um, sort of unique way, I think. Definitely. And I think one of the, one of the ones that really gets me in too is, um, yeah, the neurotic woman who gets, when she's... She's kind of nearly been had her head impaled. She's stuck in a car and she's nearly been impaled in the skull by some bit of piping or something. And the fireman, the kind of yeah, emergency service are trying to get her out and they yep. use like a circular saw. Yep. And he just jams it too hard and yep. it sets off the airbag. And that's just, and obviously she gets a pipe through her head. Yep. And just that's one of the real, like, oh shit, kind of, that's just how easily it can happen. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. And then obviously that's followed by uh, the incredibly, wonderfully naughties. It's not a horror. It's not a horror from the noughties unless someone gets split into several different pieces. Unless, unless it doesn't play a ghost ship, it's not real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Rory, Jonathan Cherry getting bisected oh. by several pieces of flying barbed wire. Absolutely wonderful. Do you think they come up with like 
the kind of they must come up I'd like to think they work backwards from the deaths because you want to think they'd have all these different kinds of deaths or do you think they go right mm. we've got to take it here and then we've got all these different ways like I'd really like to know the thing because it's so inventive and it's so I loved that again there was a mousetrap nature to that of I think it was uh, petrol was coming out from underneath the, f- mm. the media truck which went down the thing so it was like proper mousetrap stuff and I, I want, I'd really like to know the way that they... Because they're basically like magic tricks of death. Mm. And it would be really interesting to know where they start with those. Definitely. I feel like, yeah, the, the vice section, I feel like, yeah, they must have just wanted to get one of those in there. But then there's like, yeah, the woman who's, yeah, kind of constantly taking Valium, like there's that like whole like splitting headache kind of joke of her getting something through the head and stuff like that. It's just, yeah. The pigeons, the setting off a plate of glass to just smash someone completely. It's just... Also, the lift. The lift is. The lift horrific. is horrific. Yeah. The lift in the building where I live is similarly like you know most lifts. If you kind of get caught in it, they open up again. Like they have yeah. that safety feature. The lift in my building does not have that. If you like get your foot stuck in the lift, it's just going to keep trying to close. Yep. So that really, really gave me the creeps. I was like, oh my god, this could happen. <laughs> this yeah. could happen today. Let's <laughs> so watch out for a man with hooks. Yeah, I mean, I love that. Just the, the man with hooks, hooks was great. <laughs> You're going to be killed by a man with hooks and you're literally like, oh, there's, there's a man, the with, man hooks, with hooks. Yeah. Like, there's, there's nothing subtle about it. It's like, I wonder who could have the hooks. Oh no, just holding a basket of them. Great. How do you feel about how the rules work in this film? Because this is that's the one thing that's always really annoyed me and bothered me about this film is that like the whole uh, thing where new life can defeat death. I was like, that doesn't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's, it makes sense. No. <laughs> Surely it just unbalances things more. It's worse, if anything. I, I'm often very forgiving of rules not making sense in horror movies. So I think I was just sort of... And this is the one where I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the one with this. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. And it does end kind of on a bit of a flat note because she just kind of has to stop breathing for a bit or something, go Which, underwater, again, and then it's just, fine. This just doesn't really work, does it? It's just... No. because yeah, they both live. Yeah. Well, they both for a little live. bit. Like, it's <laughs> only the... Ca- but it's only the kid that doesn't live. Yes, right? it's the kid who gets blown up by the so barbecue. By, so by the end, they actually survive mm. because technically they've both died. And what did he do? He did something. I think it's just he... there was some. There was definitely an avoiding. They both avoided because they she do died. until I think there's a newspaper clipping in one of the later ones, isn't there? That they got squished by something. Oh. Um, they don't. They they certainly don't get away forever. Like I, I think that's one of those loose ends right, okay. that they fix somewhere else but like really subtly like in the same way that um oh no i can't remember which one it is there's one of them i'm sure where they're kind of looking through old newspaper reports of flight 180 and it must be three that was how yes sawa got struck by a brick because that was they looked at him (laughs) in the newspaper i was like ah right that's how he went unfortunate it's really a lot less dramatic than you know losing your head or getting hit with a nail gun or Weirdly, the thing that I found really affecting in this one, the first is when, um, for the first time, really, I think, I think I've never really noticed it before, is is Jonathan Cherry's character saying, um, "Is it going to hurt when I go? Is it going to mm. hurt?" And you're like, oh, "Yeah, he's really nice." Yeah. yeah. And like, can you hide everything that will break my mum's heart? And you're just like, "Yeah, oh. yeah." That really got me actually yesterday. That was. <laughs> yeah, he's really nice. Yeah, I think just, there are, there are those moments. I think in this one, I think. Even though it's got a really large cast, they're the bits like when they all figure out that they were ha- they have all somehow been related to the people mm. who from the first one that they all should have died before. Yeah, just that moment when Clear Rivers is just like, yeah, they were my friends. Just yeah, sort of does, does yeah. kind of like remind you, it's like, oh yeah, they are like yeah. not 
completely disposable. And yeah, like the mum, the single mum, it says like, oh yeah, I lost my husband a couple of years ago, and now my son's dead. I don't really mind sort of like dying at this point. Yeah, it has to. It has to deal with a lot tonally, mm. really, doesn't it? Because you have to be, you have to enjoy those deaths. Otherwise, there's no point in watching. <laughs> you have to feel a little bit to them. Otherwise, there's no tension. Mm. So it is about keeping those, keeping those balances. And I did feel, you know, that the poor woman, like that lift scene, really is one of the nastiest for me because it's it's really prolonged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like it hurts. She doesn't want to die. Yeah. It looks like it hurts. And also the guy's reaction yeah. when the head kind of falls into the lift is is really disturbing, which it should be, but also it doesn't cut. And I think it should cut. It, everything should be like a graphic match between two tanning beds and two coffins. That's how the tone should always be. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you shouldn't have to watch someone literally have their head squeezed off. Weirdly, that, that kind of cro- almost crosses a line for me when I'm really happy to watch all of the other things. That's my... <laughs> it is It is a really weird yeah. one, isn't it? That that feeling of like... Uh, it's. I, I always feel like um, in, in a lot of the kind of like hand-wringing about like the Saw franchise of like, oh, it's torture porn, these people are enjoying watching people die... Final Destination kind of gets yeah. away with it, whereas like this franchise is much more about enjoying watching people die because like in Saw it's it looks mm. really oh, horrible, yeah, and painful, and no one wants to watch. It. There's definitely yeah that gleefulness in Final yeah. Destination where you're like this is the I think this is the one you should be <laughs> yeah. worried about. The glee it is it is true glee. That's the thing. It is gleeful horror. So then I think that means that when we do find oh you've gone a bit far. Excuse me, I'm a massive horror fan. Please don't show me that. <laughs> I ha- I do have standards. Please stop. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it it, it it does all feed back into that thing of just the, the randomness mm. of it, I guess, is that, like, yeah, you, you, you could just die at any time and you don't know how it's going to be. And, like, yeah, like, um, you guys squished with the pane of glass. Like, he wouldn't have felt that. That was pretty much just, like, bang. Like, you had no time to suffer there. But, like, yeah, the woman being... The, his mum, in fact, being caught in the lift. It goes so much longer. And, um, uh, yeah, Val Luton in the first one, she's in all sorts of pain yeah. and trauma for yeah. <laughs> quite a long time like some of them mm. are really horrible I'd much rather be one of the ones that just gets mashed by something and just yeah. does, you know yeah. no time to yeah, know about it because yeah. the, the razor wire one um, it, there is a second because I guess I was thinking about it because he'd said about is it going to hurt and I was thinking oh you're fine you just get chopped up really fast but it does that um, ghost ship thing of like twitching yeah you got to have a blink going, yeah. yeah what's happened oh and then and then it falls apart <laughs> oh yeah. I think one thing against this movie that I don't actually like is her seeing inside the head of the people. Like that almost feels too much about she's had this vision and now she's seeing other people's visions and they keep they, they, they prod it around again in four and I don't think it works particularly well. It's just like, Oh now I've seen a van. I've seen this. This is how yeah. this is going to happen. Yeah. I, like, oh, I don't know if you, it is a clear, let's reinvent this a little bit. Let's add some different stuff. But I didn't feel like that worked quite as well as not even potentially it could have, but just whether it was necessary. I guess she's almost too psychic. Some of the psychics are more more psychic than others, I think, in this franchise. Yes. <laughs> yes. The psychicosity is different. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that because in in three it's um it's the pictures, isn't it? It's sort of it's all it goes right back to being like the omen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this, it's yeah, there's much more sort of yeah signs and psychic visions and stuff like that. Hmm. We should also mention how theatrical Danny Todd is in this and his entrance coming out of a red room in like a <laughs> in steam. Yes, he really relishes it. It's when he pulls the nipple ring out. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. 
Tony Todd. The last thing I kind of want to say about this is in the first movie, everybody's got these kind of not at all subtly chosen names that reference horror directors. Um, in this one, Aaron Douglas shows up and he's credited as Deputy Steve. <laughs> Just like, oh, Deputy you've, Steve. You've, not, you've, you've not done the thing, have you? <laughs> right, I'm going to say it now before we even get to four. Did you see that someone is just credited as racist in four? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't even get a name. That's how the writing in four is so fucking bad. So we didn't even name him. You've been, you know, the other ones have been expertly naming after horror directors and Nosferatu <laughs> actors. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, let's just call this guy the racist because that's what he is. <laughs> okay. Base, base, base level here, guys. Base level. Literally. Okay. Final Destination 3, which... Did what actually? Um, this is a is a very weird time to this. What actually won in our poll of what's your favourite Final Destination movie? Was it? It two? was two. Yeah, it was two. Then okay. very closely followed by one. Then quite a big drop off. Um, then five. Then three. Ooh. See, I I really thought three was going. Yeah, win. me too. Three three is three is my favourite Final Destination movie. It is it? I can't believe it was last. I know. I was genuinely surprised. I, yeah, I, I, it's my. <laughs> fourth favorite but not by like not by a long way like yeah <laughs> i just i just thought it was like one of one of those films that's like i don't know like nightmare on elm street 3 or halloween 3 that is kind of like people's sort of accepted favorite i was really surprised yeah. This. yeah so three was it came out in 2006 and it's back to glenn morgan and james wong uh, and it does return to formula in a lot of ways it's back at back to high school and it's set on what well, the first big set piece is set on a roller coaster um, and it is incredible. The the yeah the roller coaster sequence, the roller coaster of death is yeah beautifully done. But I think also one of the reasons why I maybe connect with this a lot less than other people is that I I just don't go on roller coasters. They are too scary. So like there's there's not like yeah like a I'm I'm in a car or in a plane. Like I'm I'm not going to get on a roller coaster. This is really not that relevant to me. You know I think you might be right on that because I love roller coasters. Like roller coasters and theme parks, I adore. And so the minute you put Final Destination in that, you're just like, well, this is the best thing I've ever seen because <laughs> that disaster sequence. Like there's a moment in it amongst the other utter joy where something goes wrong under the under the cars and the the fat the seatbelts start to float up and there's the moment where the screams go from the screams of fun we're having a roller coaster to the screams of oh fuck we're going to die and it's just artful like absolutely because you feel it in your chest because you know how that would feel because mm-hmm. you know how nice and solid it is when you're being hugged by a roller coaster of like i don't get to move <laughs> but no no suddenly suddenly that being taken away from you and a desperation of trying to hold yourself into something that's meant to be so secure is that is just one of I think it's one of my favourite sequences mm-hmm. in horror movies full stop like I think that's genuinely up there for me which actually means that because it has one of my favourite sequences ever none of the other Final Destinations could come close because it is utter fear and horror it's it's. I think it might be perfect guys <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do really, really, really love that sequence. And like you, I love roller coasters. And I have no sense of self-preservation. Uh, well, I do, I do now. I didn't used to. Um, I think about 10 years ago, I was in Vienna over like like New Year's Eve. And we went to the, the big sort of vintage uh, funfair bit, most of which was closed. But the one ride that was open was a ghost train. And the attendant looked like he was about 90. And like... I've seen a lot of horror movies, so I should have gone, this is where I die. But instead I was like, let's go on the ghost train. This is what we do. 
This guy's been literally standing here for 90 yeah. years. Waiting for you. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't die, so it's fine. Um, yes, I really, really, really love all that part stuff. Yeah, it's it's great. so good. And, and yeah, I definitely would have wanted to ride that roller coaster. Yeah. There's a lot about three that I think is like trying to go back to fun, I guess. Like they're trying a lot harder for fun than the first one. Yeah, it seems like that. Like, kind of really figured out. Like, oh, people want to see people splat. People want to see people like split into different pieces. But there is also, I think, I don't know. Yeah, I, I find three tonally really inconsistent. It's, it's the pivoting between extreme drama. Like, I think they like Mary Elizabeth Winstead's giving it kind of everything, um, and there's all this stuff with her sister as well. And I think the kind of I, I think the balance between that kind of harking back to the first one of really want making kind of you like care about these kids who are facing imminent death to a lot of the deaths in this one feel more mean-spirited to me i don't know there are bits in it which i really like and then some of it i find hard to get on with yeah i think i think the bit that doesn't work for me now Mm. and and like i used to be much less critical of is the the treatment of the two girls in the sunbeds and like that kind of like oh you're so like vain you kind of deserve this in a way which, like, at the time I was just like, oh, that's just funny. <laughs> now I'm like, it's oh, a bit mean, isn't it? It's a li- maybe a little bit... The cut nice. is incredible. The cut almost redeems it, I think, yeah. Um, I do love that, that cut from the sunbeds to the coffins that you mentioned, though. <laughs> it does almost redeem it. It's weird. I'm not as harsh on that as I think I probably am aware I should be. And I think it's because he says a bit later on, like, those girls really didn't deserve to die. Yeah. They just went for a sunbed. And I think because it was so it was playing into tropes really, really hard. And I think that is where the inconsistency is because she's very well-realised, Elizabeth Winstead, like, and, and everything, everything around her is kind of a heightened version of what high school is. So you've got those girls and you've got the super sports guys and you've got like completely everyone's over the top. And I think I almost <laughs> forgive it for that heightened reality moment because it's saying, we're scuzzy, we're a horror film. Look, here's these topless girls dancing in a sunbed. And I, I do think the cuts vary. I'm like, oh, I don't need to see her nipples right now. Okay, they've cut away. Okay. And it's almost like they're going, how much can we push into this of just mm. kind of really, really trashy horror? And how, how far yeah. do we stay back? And also, that's another really protracted one. It is a long time before you get that cut. Yeah, it goes on for ages. There's yeah. eyes going and there's, it's breaking there's a glass lot of touching. And, there's a lot yeah. of touching oh. of the stuff. That airs into the nastiness. Meanwhile, the death by nail gun manages to be somehow significantly not as nasty. I, find, I don't know. That one's pretty brutal. I think because it's like oh, there's at least one or two more nails than I'd remember there being. Yeah. Like cause I thought yeah. I remember it being really sudden, but there's always one or two more nails. Exactly. Than you yeah, it just kind of goes it just on. Keeps going, yeah. doesn't it? And then she makes a noise yeah. afterwards as well, so you know she's not oh. dead. Kind of, there is kind of a... It's like, oh no, nope, nope, you've ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> She'd just been dead of the first Chris name. Lempsch's scream is very good in that bit as well. He does a proper sort of like, oh my God, scream. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think this franchise, weirdly, is quite good at like where characters are supposed to be in relationships and then having the, the surviving one like really convince you that they're they're grieving. In a way mm. that many horror films, like especially like slashes, can't very often do because you just kind of got to keep the momentum going and you don't have time to like yeah. all sit down and be sad. But like I think it does manage to get those little moments in where you're like, yeah, it would be really traumatic to watch someone you love die horribly, or even some not someone you love, any anyone die horribly. <laughs> but yeah, that extra little twist of like, you know, this is the person you're in love with, or this is your child, and you're having to cope with that 
Yeah, those two really fit together nicely. Actually, I've forgotten. Like, they're, they're kind of not in it enough, but I really like the, the way their relationship seems to work. You kind of get how they work as a couple. It's like, oh yeah, this is how you balance each other out. And then when she goes, it's like, okay, right, he's just completely un- like, yeah, he's yeah. gone. You're no unhinged. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Chris Lamps. Chris Lamps, anyway. So it's always nice to see him. And yeah, it's also got um, another actor from Ginger Snaps in uh, Jesse Moss who is her boyfriend who dies at the start. So it's extremely Canadian. <laughs> I swear whenever I see someone in a horror movie where I'm like, who's that guy? I recognise him. It's it's either Jesse Moss or Ryan Merriman. And it's always like, oh, oh, Final Destination <laughs> 3. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I did feel like we went back to them being kids again because I was literally, when I was watching the first mm. one, I was like, these people are children. And then when I watched the third one, these people are children. And they think they're grown up and they're somehow driving, but they are children. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> they are they are very, very young. Yeah. And I was like, I'm really glad they put adults in horror movies now because we just feel eternally awful. Yeah. That's, that's probably the big thing that's sort of changed since seeing this movie on release in the cinema in 2006 and mm-hmm. watching it in 2021, just being like... Oh, you're all babies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're all. You have no idea. Okay, sure. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, because I remember seeing this one at the cinema and finding it just. Uh, um, yeah, I remember talking a lot about the bit where yeah, where Chris Lampch gets crossed by the. Um, I can't remember what it is. He gets crushed by like something crane, huge. Crane, some kind of crane. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, his middle finger sticking up and it's, it's flipping, yeah. flipping the bird. Um, so, <laughs> nice. Have you guys played the DVD version where you can change what happens throughout the film? I have not. I've got that DVD, but I, I haven't I played it. I that about 10 years ago, but I haven't done it since. You can save um, ugh, the horrible pervy guy. You can save him until much later in the film by... Uh, the device, like you, the, none of the devices are like you can make an actual choice. It's like you can you flip a coin and you can change the outcome. But yeah, you can make him live longer, and then later it's like, was it worth saving him because he's doing something horrible? Like, <laughs> didn't he deserve to die? <laughs> I don't have the power to make that decision. <laughs> um. Of all the characters, though, he's the most naughties. I feel. With his standing in the queue and having that necklace and living like, hey, what's that? And then doing that horrible thing. Like genuinely, I was looking at it going, I think when I watched that, I remember thinking, not that it was acceptable, but that, that there was okay to have characters like that. And I'm like, there are no characters. That's a very American Pie style character that we've thankfully kind of grown out of. <laughs> and, you know, him getting totally mooly gratered by that... Um, <laughs> But that yeah, bolt the propeller back of his head was sort, like shredded, yeah. Kind of deserved. <laughs> oh, do you know what we haven't talked about, but that I love about the Final Destination films is how they find pieces of music and make them really ominous. Um, so it's John yes. John Denver yes. song in the first yeah, yeah. one. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Is it Rocky Mountain Road or something? Um, but because he died in a plane crash, so hearing John Denver in an airport is very ominous. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the second one, it's Highway to Hell on the radio. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't yep. remember what it is in this one. It's a really creepy. Is it yeah, someone behind yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what, who you? the artist is yeah. or anything, but yeah, it's that. that the, yeah, there's someone walking behind you or something, and the, that bit where they they're like the trucks yeah. coming down the hill. <laughs> so over the I've forgotten in the first one as well when they hear the John Denver song. Isn't that when they um they're having a, a shit together, like the two yep. two best friends yep. go off to have a pre-flight poo, yes. and it's just it's oddly really sweet. I meant to mention this earlier. I remember thinking this is really unusual for a horror film that you'd basically introduce to your two what you think are to your two leads by like let's go take a shit <laughs> sort of, and they get spooked out in the loose <laughs> sorry i've gone wildly off topic there but well, yeah there's, there's someone behind you bit is amazing yeah. <laughs> i had something else to say about part three and i'm really i can't remember what it was now I just, yeah i guess just that it introduces the um, 
yeah, the kind of the morality of like it was that when Chris Lemp just kind of needling at her to say like, oh, like do you think you could kill yourself for the greater good? And sort of like if if it would save everyone else, would you do that? Those kind of like darker moments just feel really yeah, it just doesn't really gel in the same way that the others do for me. I kind of like that. I like the. I I, mm. I think that's the bit that I really do quite enjoy is that like logic puzzleness of it of thinking if I, you know, if someone kills themselves, does that change the thing? Or if you kill someone, or if you have a baby, or whatever, like, how how do you mess with the rules? Like, what is it that changes things? But there's no blood worth in this There is no blood, yeah, they're just struggling by themselves, poor kids. <laughs> Isn't there some, like, 9-11 stuff as well? And there's, like, a printout of, like, some kind of, some do the Twin Towers. Yeah, she she posts, a, she shows the picture. I, but I don't know what the picture was from initially, because she's like, here's these sites that are predict things but I, I don't she didn't explain where that picture was from which was weird mm. yes i remember yeah like a shadow of a plane going across it it was just like yeah i guess if this if the first movie had come out like 18 months later this franchise yeah. probably wouldn't have oh it had been due to it wouldn't have happened because they would have cancelled it and wouldn't have yeah, been that's very true yeah, mm. so i suppose it took what when was that 2006 for three or well, 2003 so i guess that's probably why final destination 2 took its time yeah and that's why it didn't come out a year after one, really, because horror had to be a little bit different for a while because we couldn't, we just couldn't, as a as a global audience, we yeah. weren't ready for watching people die on mass again. We really like War of the Worlds was one of the big ones. Do you remember when that was released? Everyone was like, "Oh, that was quite a lot," because Steven Spielberg had been inspired by the ash that people were running through, and there was, a, and that was a whole like when when um when after 9-11 people started being like right how do we make disaster movies now how do we how do we do that and how do we make horror movies and i think there was probably a lot of thought and also her showing a picture from 9-11 maybe maybe they had a discussion of is it time it probably wasn't time to be quite honest (laughs) i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure when it is time for horror movies Mm. to kind of try to incorporate real life things i'm always a bit like yeah especially when they're so horrific yeah i'm always a bit freaked out by that yeah it's like I'd like my horror to live in a really safe horrific space where I can turn it off at the end I think that's why we all we're all like horror fans are all massively empathetic Mm. and it's weird because you'd think that horror fans would be these awful people that want people to die and actually horror fans are really cuddly because (laughs) we just we like our horror to be really fake yes yeah and it's almost like it's almost like you're there's a there's a sort of part of my kind of anxiety that like wants to look at these Final Destination movies and be like well, I have to make sure I yeah I don't drive behind a truck with logs. I have to make sure I don't, you know, I keep banging on about Valerie Luton, but I always think about mm. that thing with her cup cracking because of the temperature change. Yes. <laughs> the, the littlest things. Yeah. yeah. Just really got in my head and like, oh, I'll never do that. Um, obviously, the whole point of the Final Destination movies is you can't control things, but like my brain's still going like, well, I'm going to be like Claire. Mm. Well, I guess after this year, I am Claire Rivers, just staying in my house. <laughs> I stay in here I can't affect anything I can't disrupt the timeline it's fine yeah and that was working fine for Clear Rivers in it room. was and she didn't seem particularly like she wanted to go back at any point like I thought she would be a bit more skittish when she came out but she seemed fine and then yeah. and then that was the end of her she also yeah. um, dramatically bleached her hair uh, even once she was supposedly being careful so you'd think she'd be more scared of that but no that was obviously fine. There are a number of inconsistencies with a lot of these women's beauty regimes and feeling okay to do that, but not to walk down the street. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, again, I guess really, like, you know, you can criticise films for stuff like that, but you also kind of get it as well. 
Like you're like, yeah, of course we all make decisions that are a bit wrong if you think about it. You're always weighing up risk and reward, and and I think humans famously are really bad at yeah. evaluating risk and and what's actually dangerous. So. No, we are our own Darwin Award auditions regularly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do we? Take a deep breath and move on to the Final Destination 3D or Final Destination 4, a.k.a. the one that no one likes. <laughs> yeah. I'd forgotten it was 3D until things started protruding. And I was I like, had ah, to, yeah. this is a 3D one. Okay. So is that why it looks so flat and ugly for the rest of it? Like, it uh, is hideous, isn't it? Ugly like, film. It's really, really striking if you've just kind of... I mean, it's probably for the best that I watched in the wrong order because I was watching two going, this looks great. And then if mm. I'd watched four, like after in, in sort of quick succession, I would have been like even more horrified yeah. by how disgusting it looks. It's so bad. It is. It's weirdly grey, flat, cheap. <laughs> and directed by the same man as made two. So yeah. once three yeah. was out, he clearly forgot how to make a Final Destination movie. Well, I was looking kind of like into the production to see kind of if there are any kind of obvious explanations and... One of the most baffling things is that they chose not to film in Canada, uh, which the previous ones had done. Lovely Canada, Canada always is great. <laughs> and they shot in New Orleans, which is, should be, you know, one of the most kind of atmospheric, kind of beautiful cities in the world. But I don't think you'd know that from looking at it, like where it is. No. It's got no sense of place at all. It's completely anonymous and it feels like, it isn't, it's, yeah, there's a McKinley racetrack, isn't there? So I don't know if it's really supposed to be in the same place. But oh yeah, so the this one kicks off at a um, NASCAR uh, race where yeah there's a pile up and a car flies off the track and the whole yeah the whole building collapses and then again so it's there there is a small group of friends but there are more randoms in this one it's yeah it's sort of a bigger group including a racist and a character that's credited um, on mdb is i think it's samantha slash milf um <laughs> wow yes yeah because he said because he says that horrible thing he says oh the world just lost a really good milf or something and it's just like yeah. you're gross you're gross I want you to get all your parts sucked out through your anus. Please, <laughs> do it now. Don't make me wait. Bring on the anus death. Bring on the anus death, which has reminded me of a Chuck Palahniuk book, which is a short story where that happened. And that was obviously Chuck Palahniuk's version was much better, but at least it was some um, gory. It's not done particularly well in the film. Like, it's not... I think the, one of my problems with it is just that there's no... Yeah, it, like Louis said, it's baffling. It's, yeah, it's also directed by David R. Ellis. Did he, like, really not want to do it? Like, is it kind of a, a, a Saw 7 situation where, like, he just didn't want to do it? I don't know. I think he... From I was reading some interviews from from the time, and he sounded very excited about doing it in 3D. I wonder if that was part of it. But it's also written by Eric Brass, who wrote part two. That's so weird. Yeah, it seems so odd that the characters are so like unlikable and kind of lifeless. But it's... Yeah, it's one where the deaths seem, like, mean and... Well, but not just that the the movie kind of wants to punish its characters, but it also kind of wants to punish you as a viewer and and has quite a strong opinion on you as a viewer wanting to see a bit of death and destruction because there's a bit at the beginning of the the speedway where they're discussing why they're there and the guy says literally he's there because he's Mm. hoping someone has an accident. Like he wants to see some gore. He, He wants to see someone die, basically. And then there's a bit of like, well, you got your comeuppance because it was you that died, haha. But I feel like that that's also kind of a dig at, at, at horror viewers. Like, you came here to watch someone die, and like, what does that say about you? Especially because this film also ends in a mm. in a 3D cinema. I was going to say they do it twice. They literally do it twice. Yeah. They try for the same thing. Yeah, they, exactly. That's why there's uh, just there's just something about this film that's just really miserable. But yeah, yeah, that they are watching an explosion on screen, and then the cinema explodes. Yeah. 
and it's a 3D cinema as well I think or they're watching a movie I think they are, they are watching a 3D movie so it's very yeah. much like yeah. hey look at these people on the screen they are you because you're sitting there in your 3D glasses so it, it does feel very much like like the writer and or director very much soured on maybe horror movies I, I don't know but like I just feel like that this movie doesn't like me yeah there's a lot of mean spiritedness and also no t- no patience for you and I think the the um the fake out where she goes to the hairdressers mm. is a really long, really pointless. Oh, the seat's a bit broken. Something must happen. Nastiness, and then it takes like ten minutes, and she gets hit by a stone outside. Yeah. And it was just, it wasn't. It didn't feel smart. It didn't feel clever. Death wasn't doing any of its fun mousetrap stuff. It was just boring. Yeah, and relatively mean-spirited to have a mother die in front of her children yeah her horrible yeah. children then, <laughs> yeah because even you know as as nasty as it is yes we have child death in two but he dies relatively painlessly with the pigeons first and she sees him mm. go meanwhile the children watching their mother die is actually another set of uh like like kind of like the unwritten rules of don't do that because that's just a bit scuzzy and wrong I hate that my brain is just really making this connection, but like it really feel, feels like Saw 7 to me, this film. Like, <laughs> yeah. It just has that, I guess they're both 3D as well, but it has that feeling of like, like in Saw 7, there's a woman who's in a trap where uh, she has to not, she has to be silent to be saved. Like the point yeah. is, oh, you woman, you talk too much, you have to be quiet. And that it feels like that's what this film's doing as well. It's like, oh, she's really vain, uh, so we're going to knock her eye out. Or... Um, like the racist gets dragged down the street doesn't he and there's like a white yeah. cross and stuff and it, it, it's very like it just feels stupid somehow like that they've tried to yeah. I, 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 like that doesn't make sense they tried to make the punishment fit the crime as it were but like hmm. it just feels really uninspired it just feels really empty yeah just yeah. none of the characters feel like well written at all like I think and it's such a shame because there's Michael T. Williams and he's obviously a brilliant actor and like Justified and uh, Forrest Gump and stuff who's Given a character who's an alcoholic widower who lost his wife and daughter, I think, in some kind of accident. Or he, oh, he was drunk driving, wasn't he? Yeah, which is why he doesn't, yeah. It's just, there's no, it feels really hollow. I think he's, he, it's not that he's bad in it, but there's like none of the other characters are really given any backstory at all. It's just sort of like, it seems just half assed like a lot of it does. And there's no reason why the friends are friends. They don't seem like they get on at all. Um, no. Yeah, it's all just feels there's none of that kind of fun destination to kind of character connection or character depth where you kind of figure out like oh yeah like this is where this person's coming from and their attitude towards it. It feels really disconnected from the rest of them, and I'm not really sure like ex- particularly why that is, but it does really feel like a separate, like a step away from the rest of the franchise. The same with the foreshadowing stuff where he's literally seeing things flying through the air in 3D. Yeah. For what's going to happen next, and that feels really. Because if I didn't, if I didn't love it in the second one, I really hated the first <laughs> one. Because it was just like, here's all these things that are going to happen, which are literally just poking you in, you in the eye to poke you in the eye. Like that's all they're doing. And I think you're right about the character stuff. Like the fact that she's meant to be sitting in the cinema at the end, going, "No, I've got my life back. We're not leaving the cinema because you think something weird's going to happen." And you're like, "You literally yeah. almost drowned in your yeah. car. <laughs> like, you had a car wash death. Weird was going to happen. What? What are you thinking? Don't be a dick." Just leave the cinema. This film looks shit anyway. Just leave. Yeah. And then a double fake out doesn't even save it. The idea of seeing that disaster twice in the cinema. Mm. That um, escalator yeah. death is also really nasty. Yeah. It's really nasty, but in a way that, like, I was watching it going, well, that that looks ridiculous. Like, I don't, that doesn't yeah. scare me. I don't feel like that's going to happen to me. That just doesn't look possible. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that doesn't, because I was literally like, I'm pretty sure the motors in escalators aren't that aggressive. This looks like a meat plant. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
It was more believable than that X Files episode where, yeah, teams got crushed by the thing. This, this is yeah, yes. sort of like looks like hell kind of that she's getting dragged into. <laughs> yeah, it looks like the um, is it Lionsgate? Yeah, yeah it doesn't look of like all the movies that has that spinning. <laughs> yeah, that's literally that. <laughs> that's what's in that escalator. Oh, yeah, it's such a hot mess. But not even hot mess. It's just a mess. It's it's ugly and flat and uninspired and really boring. Like Final Destination movies should not be boring. Yeah, you just want to do anything else. Just yeah, let's make it stop. At least it's short. <laughs> it was only about eighty minutes. Yeah, still too long. But it was still like oh, at least it's done. <laughs> Which I've never felt with any of the others actually. They feel because they're they're all like ninety minute short. Yeah, short, they're all pretty short, short. Short sharp shocks really test my pop shield. But um, <laughs> like I think the. Uh, they're all a really good horror movie mm. length mm. that you can actually mainline, but suddenly when you stick that stinker in there, everything <laughs> gets all clogged up, and you're just like, "Do I want to watch the fifth one?" And yes, the answer is yes, you do. Yes, the fifth one is is I think in the poll I I wavered, but I think I voted five. As much as I feel like I've loved Final Destination three for a lot longer, I think five is a is a strong contender for my favourite yeah it is, it is wonderful I think I remember going to see it at, um, I think it was Empire's big screen event which I think happened once or maybe twice but uh, yeah there was a screening of it and then it was just such a wonderful surprise yeah, it was directed by Stephen Quayle and came out 2011 so that's yeah two years after The Final Destination and I'm so glad they made it because like, if that if Final Destination 4 had been the end and have just sort of like the franchise killer that would have been so depressing but it feels like they kind of really pulled it back and made an effort to kind of fix everything that was not good about the fourth one. Yeah. Yeah. So this one's set on, uh, it's it's set some kind of it's basically the office kind of company, yeah. isn't it? Where there's like some like white collar guys and there's like a, a power, an actual like manufacturing plant. But they're off on an office uh, kind of company retreat and they're going over a bridge in a bus, and there's a bridge collapse and it's got some of the most ridiculously gruesome deaths, like in in the at least in the sort of initial accident thing. Like I always, there's always like one so or two good. that I forget. Yeah. yeah, this was only the second time I'd seen it, so I hadn't seen it since it came out initially. So it was the best surprise to watch again, like the best surprise, especially when she landed and got nailed <laughs> into the boat. That's amazing. Oh, it's the, the hot tar like landing on David Koechner, just sort of melting him. Well, who's the guy that like falls off the bridge and then hits the thing on the way down with or... a proper splat? Yeah, yeah, everyone splats. Yeah, everyone splats in this film. Everyone bounces. <laughs> That's what's so appealing about it as well. Like it's got that proper disaster element about it too. It's got the swinging bits from the suspension bridge going. It's got all the cars. It's like a Roland Emmerich movie at just as the start. Mm. Someone just get pinged yes. by like a wire, don't they? They just get like smacked off the bridge. Yeah. I think it's it's nice as well that like after the disasters in three and four it's kind of gone back to its origins in that like driving over a bridge yeah. is something that like we all kind of do probably and, and and you always do feel like, like especially like driving over the Seven Bridge to go home to visit my family, that always freaks me out a little bit. There's always a bit of me that's like, what if a really strong gust of wind comes out of nowhere and knocks my car off the bridge? <laughs> like, so that 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 idea that the bridge would just yeah collapse under you is really really horrifying in a in a kind of mundane way. Yeah, because they're just doing works and everybody does works. We pass roadworks all the time and roadworks are deadly as fuck because everyone's got roasting hot tar, but. But we're just fine with it until we're until we're not. Until we're really, really not. There's like flatbed trucks full of very yes. long, sharp poles that can impale you while you're hanging very, off um, something. Start of the descent. That that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, I think this this one does go back to basics in a lot of kind of. There seems to be more figuring out about what's going on. Like uh, there's like the the police are back involved again. Is uh, it Courtney B. Vance playing? Um, yeah, a detective who's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. 
And yeah, Tony Todd's back finally as as Bloodworth doing his ominous looming <laughs> portentous um explaining about death to people and death design. He he definitely does more explaining in this one than I remembered. Like when he literally he comes out and says uh, you could kill someone and take all the years that they have left. I mean, like, I, I don't remember you explaining that, but okay. Mm. It explains why. Oh, I can't think what his name is in the, the Nicholas Augusto, whatever his name is. He, um, yeah, that explains why he goes completely off the rails then, because you've just told him that's what he needs to do to survive. Yeah, I like that it remixes with that. It's just like, here's this fresh set of rules that everyone's been too nice to think about. I like that. I feel like the fans mm. have been kind of discussing that from the beginning, probably, because you, you do start thinking, like, yeah, how how can you break these rules? What else can you do that would maybe cause a problem? Like, intervening in someone else's death or killing yourself or whatever. But yeah, what happens if you kill someone else? So I'm glad that we finally got to tackle that. Just, and the, yeah, the, I guess it ties into like um, yeah, what you were saying earlier, Sarah, about um, you kind of seeing what happens to someone after someone they love dies. Like, the guy who loses it, he seems like a bit of a dick at the start, but you kind of see like a, the nicer side to him as well. And then when that happens, and then the, his disintegration is quite gradual as well. Like you can see him like trying to kind of reconnect and stay normal, but then by the end, he's like, no, <laughs> completely gone. Can we now talk about the like the tensest nail of all time that can only closely be followed by the nail in a quiet <laughs> yes. place that goes up on the stairs? That is uh, this this yes. this nail is the most honestly I don't think I the first time the first time I watched that and I've remembered it ever since I think I literally put holes in my palms <laughs> watching those bare those bare feet yeah. dancing around on a g- gymnast bar it was so tense so I do tense. love that yeah like after all these il- incredibly elaborate things of like something hitting off something else uh, it can just be yeah somebody might step on a nail and then fall <laughs> yeah yeah g- gymnastics that's it. <laughs> Well, isn't it because she gets hit by she? It's, it, she actually doesn't step on it, does she? Some the other girl does, yeah. and knocks over yeah, the chalk, and then she it just crunches herself. That is such a splat. Yeah, such a splat. That crunch oh, is incredible. Awful. Yeah, oh. it's genuinely you're looking at it, just going, I can't believe that. It's proper shock. I think that's what it gets back. That's what Final Destination Five brings back. It's proper shock mm. of oh, there's genuinely, and it gives you that moment as well. They're really again, they make it an art form again after the fourth one shat all over it. They literally just. They literally just say, hey, this is what we're doing now. And they just do it repeatedly throughout that. And then there's the laser surgery. Yeah, the LASIK. Again, again, the normal stuff. And, and they're really vindicative, but in a fun way with it, which is great. And and again, it's not... I mean, the, the laser eye surgery does go horribly wrong and she does get some more eyeball trauma, but it isn't really the thing that kills her because she goes out yeah. the window. Goes out the window, yeah. <laughs> Very dramatic way. What is it with these single glazed? Literally, bills? like well, I, I was thinking that even in the in the second one with the pigeons, where the guy's like, "Damn pigeons, I've had to replace this window already," and you're like, "Get better windows." Yeah, <laughs> yeah are you putting are you putting cellophane up? Like, why why do they keep coming through? Yeah, it's just it's, it seems like yeah, it definitely has that balance of ridiculously over the top, complicated deaths and sudden yeah, short sharp shock ones, and it does have that element of. The person who should have a nasty death does have like a really long protracted one. Obviously, should have a nasty death. It seems like a bit of an exaggeration, but the one the one that you want to have like a bit of lots of acupuncture. <laughs> he reminded me of oh gosh, I can't remember his name from the third one. Like it was literally like he was the same character. Yes, just somehow made even worse because in an office environment is somehow worse than high school because you'd hope yeah. that he would have grown out of being that, but no. Just this guy just being gross, so gross. They do like they do seem a lot more like rounded characters in this one as well. Obviously, like the gross guy is a bit of a caricature, but um, yeah, I like that the 
the whole like main character wanting to be a chef in France is just really sweet. Yeah, it's um, very ratatouille, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's a whole like the little scene where he's he's like someone a customer sends it back and like his mentor at the restaurant's like, oh, he's an asshole. It's really good. It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, good for you. I don't know why. I just sort of like, oh, it seems nice. I hope he doesn't die horribly. <laughs> I like that they sneaked that in as well because I think like at this point in the franchise you're just thinking oh yeah it's a reference to the first one because mm. you know there's 180s everywhere and there's, there's yeah. all these other things that kind of link them together symbolically and then at the end spoilers the the big twist is that this is actually set before the first one and and uh, the survivors are about to board that flight 180 mm. and uh, get blown up I'd forgotten it again because I hadn't seen it since then I was genuinely like they're on a plane. They're on that plane. How did I forget this plane? <laughs> That's so good, that yeah, bit of editing. I love brilliant. it. <laughs> it was a great surprise. It was so good. It was just because it was that lovely thing of, what's going on over there? I was like, yeah. 10 years ago, this film's what's happening. so delightful. <laughs> Such a good twist. I did wonder why no one was Googling. I think I did wonder in that one because I was like, in every other film, they've gone, hey, this happened with these guys on this flight. But the insertion yeah. of Tony yeah. Todd being like, I've seen this before. You were like, well, that's fine. You've seen it before. But he just, yeah. he must have just repeatedly seen it before. <laughs> now I want to, I want the prequels where he's seen it before these guys. Uh, that that would be cool. I would enjoy more prequels. Why haven't we had a new one? Don't know. We definitely overdue. They were making a new one, but apparently it's been delayed because obviously um, Pando. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they said it was going to be like not a remake, but in a different universe. They were like, it was like a new timeline that they were starting. Hmm. I think it probably needs to be at this point. It's it's kind of like if you're still making references to those films, like your audience is just going to be yeah. lost. Yeah, because that is it is 21 years ago's movie now. Oh my god, we're so yeah. old. I know we really are. Uh, <laughs> um, the one thing that I want to talk about about all of these movies is: Do you have any theories on why any of this is happening? Like if death is so determined to kind of keep everything in order like why are these people allowed mm. to to disrupt the plan anyway any thoughts on like where the visions come from or anything i've i've kind of had a google and seen that a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about it it was literally something that i was thinking about in the shower this morning <laughs> of all the shower questions to have part of me is like why would it automatic why would they automatically cancel you out anyway so it's mm. almost like death's game I think of how many different ways can I catch them in which case death is almost uh, not just a force but a vindicative force that mm. likes to occasionally play and that's a horrible idea but that is a terrifying that's a horrible idea. idea but at the same time if you are repeatedly um, shown how you can avoid something and then it, it become completely impossible to avoid like everybody dies mm. we've never seen anyone you know live to tell the tale so why why would he do it? It's it's mm. you know challenge mode basically <laughs> for death. I I wonder whether it was just a, a, a you know just a glitch in the matrix as it were like because I I've seen a lot of speculation that there's a mm. opposing force like whether that's like God or uh, the personification of life or whatever. But whether it is just you know some people have some psychic ability and that is. I don't know, somehow kickstarted by them being in close proximity to death and then they, they have these visions and like there's no meaning behind it, it just is and that just messes things up, I don't know I think that's the, the, the sort of explanation that I maybe would be most comfortable with because I don't know how far I want to accept um, death as a 
thinking being rather than as a just an unstoppable force I guess I was say, the vindictive one seems like weird, like kind of quite Catholic in a way and it does seem like that could be like a yeah, yeah, rude that it could have gone down where it could have like embraced like a Christian sort of mythology of um, life and death and but um, or like, I guess like a sort of more sort of spiritual one. But I'm glad, like, yeah, I agree. I'd rather it be sort of some kind of. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this on the on the first movie DVD. There's always kind of interviews with people who've like psychics and sort of people who've been had like near death experiences and stuff. But yeah, I think the idea that it would be something to do with being psychic and like being yeah in close proximity to your own death and realizing. There's maybe something you can do about it. Definitely seems more, yeah, appealing to me. I wouldn't want to see it kind of go down a sort of too explainy route. I like it just sort of like death and all. Oh, death screwed up. And now he's yeah. kind of catching up again. I feel like the more you try and explain it, and I feel like this is um, the kind of the fault that kicks in after the first film is the more you try and explain it, the more questions it raises, and the more you're like, wait, what? Like, if the whole thing with them, um, like the, the order being inverted in the second one and all that, and you're like, hang on, so. <laughs> Does, does death have like a master list and like so nobody else in the world can die until we've got these ones or like how does that work it's got a spreadsheet yeah, like lots of different columns I guess like all these people go in this order but then these people are in a different order like how does that even work and like when you start thinking about that you're like it's nonsense but I think these films just work much better as that like uh, sort of an externalisation of anxiety like yeah. you're right all those things that you worry about yep they definitely can kill you they can kill <laughs> and you and one day they the will thing, the good news is they don't always do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's sad that it's like not been rebooted or made for TV like yeah like Louise was saying I think like it seems yeah like a Final Destination TV show seems like something that really should have happened I by now like on the CW a 10 part Final Destination TV show <laughs> the whole first episode could be the the awfulness looking at the franchise as a whole it does i mean obviously the fifth one is out of the noughties but although four does seem like it gets the tone wrong like it is given how many changes were happening in like, horror as a, as a genre as a whole it's a very consistent franchise it understands exactly what it's doing it doesn't really tweak it for any kind of like it gets a bit nastier in places but it never goes like torturey and it never like it never tries to get, like found footage or anything it always just kind of no we're found destination this is this is how we do it and it always looks reassuringly cartoony and nice. Mm. I mean, the fourth one is ugly, but at least there's something always very, very glossy about it, which I think is, again, that's kind of support structure of things might be, you know, people might be falling off suspension bridges, but it's got that heightened reality aspect again. And if we were mm. taken away from that and if it looked like Saw and if it looked scuzzy, I, I don't think I could watch it in the same, in the same yeah. way at all. Like, I think there's something to be said for really almost over the top acting in horror and, and buckets of blood really like well, how do you react realistically in scare quotes in any of these yeah. situations yeah, exactly so like it's, it's got to be that lovely comic book and it was weird last night i tweeted about it and said oh here's my favorites and then a few people replied to me and they're like oh three's free on prime i'm gonna go straight in and watch it and i'm like I don't know if you like horror films. I don't know what you like. And if you're just going in to watch Final Destination 3, I'm really sorry. <laughs> like, don't, don't. Maybe, okay, sure, see what you think. And then someone replied saying that he really liked the fact that her little digital camera sounded like an enormous fashion photographer's flashbulb. <laughs> so it's all these added layers that we just kind of expect to come from this franchise. But actually, coming in potentially cold, you're like, hell is this like what is this strange monster <laughs> that flashbulb noise is such a horror noise isn't it yeah mm. it's like in saw yeah 
guess it's that they are supposed to be a good time. Like, I think they never, it's never supposed to be, even the first one, for all its kind of, yeah, kind of angst, is, is very, it's, it's supposed to be like a Friday night in the movies kind of experience. It's not ever supposed to really make you too uncomfortable. Like, it's supposed to make you wince and kind of gasp and, yeah, kind of do like a laugh shock thing of being like, oh my god. But yeah, it's never really supposed to challenge, it's not supposed to challenge how you feel about things and... I guess that is how it gets away with being so kind of gory and kind of nasty in places. But I think also that like people who don't necessarily like horror films probably, I think Fantastination is quite broad appeal in a way that a lot of Definitely. horror movies aren't. And I think what you were saying, Sarah, about there being a surprising amount in the script about philosophizing about life and destiny and death and how we're all doing it, I actually think is almost surprising but really welcome and it's why we enjoy it so much because it's actually a lot smarter and as four indicates it's a lot smarter than people give it credit for yeah that's that is my that is my kind of kryptonite is like that i don't like elevated horror but i like trash that has something clever in it (laughs) that's Mm. what i want these feel like these are like party movies aren't they they're just you know you want to you want to sit in a crowded cinema with your friends and watch these movies or at a house party where you're still all it's it's an 18 and you're all 15 and it's really exciting. Yeah, it's a, it's so a it's a sleepover <laughs> and <laughs> uh-huh. you've yeah. got ha- eaten way too much sugar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was spot um the tone of uh did you see Slacks last year at Fright Fest? Yeah, I love Slacks. It's just Slacks. like it's just like yes, here's an evil jeans movie. <laughs> it's like and it, it has something to say, but it's mm. also about evil jeans. Yeah. That's what that that exact mix yeah. is perfect. It, is. it really is perfect. It's the yeah. dream. The listener poll uh, says yes. Final Destination two. Hmm? I'm voting five. Louise, which one are you going for? Three. Three. And Johnny going two. Yeah, so we have two. no consensus. No. <laughs> um, I think the um, the final <laughs> sort of conclusion is watch any of them, but not yeah. four. You're not you're not hmm. losing anything. I think you can skip. Yeah, you you're not. You're not missing a thing. No, nothing at all. You're not. There, we should say, like, we did when we tweeted it, um, there was, a, I think, about three or four responses of people saying they really like four. I think good CGI was something that was mentioned and just some good deaths. But I, I yeah, personally, I don't see it. But I'm, I'm kind of glad that there are some people out there who like it because, you know, I'm sure some people were very hard on it. And yeah. So it'd be a bit of a shame if literally everyone hated it. A couple of the Speedway deaths in the disaster bit are okay. The tyre. Because... The tyre's <laughs> good. Yeah, okay. there's, there's some. I think I was so distracted by the protrusion because I was like, oh, oh, it's 3D, so things are coming. I think that's part of it as well. When you obsess over centering your screen over something flying at the screen, it's not natural. <laughs> no, it's not mm. natural. Like some of my friend was, my friend was talking about the rifle cleaning in Avatar. Totally unnecessary. Like it doesn't need to happen like that. No, guns don't point that. So it almost creates an unnatural demand for the structure of your movie. And if the rest of it isn't good, it's just going to make people really angry. Yeah. Also, the the opening credits are quite good in four, but then the ones in five are way better. Yeah. They like, took that idea and it's like, yeah, Carl Cooper's opening credits in five, incredible. they reference the whole series, don't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't feel like I've particularly changed my opinion on any of them on a rewatch, but I think partly that's because um, like a lot of the movies we were talking about in our early episodes are films that I watched in the like early 2000s and then never went back to. Um, whereas Final Destination, I feel like I've kind of kept rewatching most of them. So yeah, I didn't didn't yeah, feel like same. there was any big surprise there just because I kind of knew what to expect because I've seen it within the last few years. Yeah. I literally felt like I couldn't 
I couldn't watch two and then four. Even though I've literally, I must have seen three about ten times. That that and House and Haunted Hill are movies that I have just repeatedly watched. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way I'm not watching this. I'm doing it for research. I have to watch three again. <laughs> so you were like, oh no, you, oh no, you've made me watch these films. <laughs> what a shame! A valid excuse to watch Final Destination three. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for coming. We've had an amazing time. We're going to have to get you back, rope you oh, back in for some honestly, more. Honestly, anytime you want me to repeatedly watch endless amounts of trash, please, <laughs> please count me in. Amazing. And um, where can people find you in the meantime? Uh, if you want to know where I, all my work is, I'm on Twitter at shiny underscore demon. Which is such an awesome username. Every... <laughs> Do you know, it's funny. I own... Louise Blaine. I actually own at Louise Blaine, but at some point in the last however many years, I clearly forgot that I had registered under Louise Blaine and it was Shiny Demon that got bloody verified. <laughs> um, and also speaking of usernames, we have Twitter. We do. It's Chilenial H Pod because Chilenial Horrors was too long. <laughs> oh, damn it. We didn't think of that when we named the podcast. Did not. Did not think about the Twitter at limit. Normally at this point in the podcast, we kind of say what we're going to do for the next episode, but I have no idea what we're doing. So it'll be a surprise to everyone. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure we've actually chosen yet. So uh, we'll figure it out. We'll let you know on Twitter. Yeah. See you next time. <laughs>